Our sponsor today, Manscaped, has you covered to keep the hair looking nice and trimmed and feeling fully supported. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. The Premium Lawnmower 3.0 is waterproof, includes an LED light, and is made with advanced skin-safe technology, which reduces nicks and cuts on your delicates. You can get this trimmer inside their Perfect Package 3.0, which also includes the Manscaped Crop Preserver and the Crop Reviver, both super practical and they smell great too. Plus, for a limited time, when you order the Perfect Package Kit, you get two free gifts, the Shed Travel Bag and the Manscaped Anti-Chafing Boxer Briefs. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code THEATHLETIC20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use the code THEATHLETIC20. From the moose to the caboose, always use the right tools for the job. 15. A top pitching prospect headlines another group of call-ups and the Cubs reveal their rotation plans. Like death and taxes, Dodger's been a Dodger. <laughs> I have but not had uh, three co-brews uh, yet. It works great in a fantasy league. I'm just glad I am not at the dentist. Fantasy Baseball in 15. On The Athletic. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball 15 for Tuesday, August 25th. I'm Al Melker. I am here with Michael Beller. And Michael, I'm glad to have you on the show. I'm always glad to have you on the show, but we got a lot of Cubs updates, so uh, I always look forward to getting your uh, your reactions oh, yeah. to all things Cubs related. We've got more prospect cops because it's 2020, <laughs> and this is just what we do. So uh, let's get to it. And um, the uh, prospects, the, those cops are uh, headlined by something that we, you and I, it seems like we've talked about several times. It's finally happening. Ian Anderson coming up for Atlanta. He's, uh, well, actually, this hasn't been confirmed, but uh, he is expected to be called up to make a start for Atlanta on Tuesday. And um, his minor league numbers from 2019, they, I think they really tell the story of the risk and the reward. Through 135 and two-thirds innings with AA Mississippi and AAA Gwinnett, 172 strikeouts. A lot of strikeout potential there, but also 65 walks. So in what sorts of leagues is it worth the risk to get those strikeouts? Uh, number one sort of league that it is worth the risk to get those strikeouts is uh, a Jethro Tull band, ma- band members name league, I think is where you got to start mm-hmm. with Ian Anderson. After that, I think we can move on and uh, and really go for him in a lot of spots. I mean, one thing you have to add on to this, uh, the, the strikeout upside, is that uh, you would imagine that a pretty decent amount of win upside, and that's something that we really are looking for uh, more actively than we would in a normal season with all the piggybacking, all the short outings, all the injuries. I, I think you, it's wise to hunt for a little bit of win upside where you might be able to find some and being part of this Atlanta Braves team gives Ian Anderson uh, some win upside this season also. So that is something that uh, I find very attractive this year. I do think almost across the board, I'm willing to take a shot on him because of those two things combined. So uh, all this adds up to being a pretty interesting pitching prospect, one that I didn't necessarily think we were going to get anymore after that big wave we had over the last you know week and a half or so. Yeah, and um, speaking of him and his place in the rotation, not surprisingly, Tuki Toussaint has been moved to the bullpen. So uh, that's certainly not an obstacle that you have to worry about with Ian Anderson. Uh, In terms of the other call-ups, the Rangers have called up Leotis Leotis Tavares, 
And he hit leadoff right out of the gate in his first game at Oakland, got his first hit right away. Uh, A lot of stolen base potential, not necessarily categorical help uh, elsewhere, but uh, in 2019 between advanced class A and double A, he stole 32 bases. So that gives you an idea of the kind of help that Tavares could give you. Love that he hit leadoff right away, right? I mean, teams are going to tell us what they think about players more than we need to hunt for what they maybe think about them. The fact that they are not only willing to call him up, but to slide him right atop that lineup gives you an idea of A, what they think of him, and B, what they want to see out of him the rest of the season. So, you know, it'd be reasonable to expect some uh, on-base peaks and valleys from him, but it seems like he's going to get opportunities to play, get opportunities to run, and we know that if he gets those opportunities to run, he's going to take them, and that he can convert on them. So definitely someone to think about if he needs some help in the steals category. Yeah, I mean, it's a real scarcity, so it's always great to get another potential source of help in that category. Uh, The A's have called up Jonah Heim, and uh, they sent down Austin Allen, so he's just going to slide right into Allen's Allen's role as the backup to Sean Murphy, uh, who's being a stat cast hero so far this season. Uh, but Heim, not really a big power hitter. He did bat 358 in 35 games with AAA Las Vegas last season uh, with a lot of thanks to a, a higher than average line drive rate. But again, just sort of middling power, four, four home runs in those 35 games. So I think we're, we're talking about probably deeper leagues here. Yeah. And um, the Marlins, they're going to be calling up Trevor Rogers. Now it seems like they're calling up all of their pitching prospects. I'm not sure where the room is for Rodgers to stick in the rotation, but he's expected to make his Major League debut on Tuesday as part of the doubleheader with the Mets. And you heard that right. The Mets are back. They are off their uh, COVID-19 pause. Uh, So they're going to have a doubleheader with the Marlins on Tuesday. So you can feel free to start your Mets, start your Marlins. And uh, Trevor Rodgers is going to be part of that Marlins effort uh, on Tuesday. So what's the appeal here is this one and done a daily league pickup or maybe not even not even for that yeah I wouldn't even pick him up for a daily league let's see how he does in this first start against the Mets and then we can go from there I would guess long-term value for at least the 2020 season uh this is a stream play and really nothing more I don't want to get in on this sight unseen I want to see him take a turn or two through a major league rotation and face a couple of major league lineups before I'm thinking about putting him in my lineup getting him in my team to begin with and then putting him in my lineup Some news out of Arizona. Merrill Kelly was supposed to start on Monday night, but he was scratched uh, just shortly before his scheduled start and then subsequently placed on the 10-day injured list with the right shoulder nerve impingement. So uh, Merrill Kelly was supposed to make two starts this week. Doesn't look like that's going to happen. So it doesn't look like he's going to make any starts this week. So uh, some bad news there. Taylor Clark filling in for Kelly on Monday, and I would presume possibly uh, going forward uh, indefinitely. Uh, Some Cubs news, as I mentioned at the top of the show, Tyler Chatwood is going to be activated in order to start against the Tigers on Tuesday. And last time we talked about Chatwood, I think it was with a lot of concern. His last outing before going on the injured list with his back injury was pretty miserable. Uh, But he's really maybe been a Babbitt victim. He has a 540 ERA on the season, but his FIP, his XFIP, and Sierra are all below three. So whichever one of those ERA estimators is your favorite, uh, it's good news for Tyler Chatwood. (laughs) Would you start him right away, uh, given the especially the favorable matchup, or is this still a wait-and-see situation? 
Now I'd get him right in there right away. He's been on the IL for longer than the minimum, so you feel as though the Cubs gave him enough time to come back. The Cubs have that luxury with having a guy like Edward Alzali who's able to come up and take a couple of turns whenever they need, even with Jose Quintana still on the IL, although he is about to be activated as well. So uh, they took their time with Chatwood. I'd don't really concern myself with any sort of pitch limit for him or maybe coming back a little bit too early. The matchup is great. I throw him right in there tomorrow or today. All Excuse right. Me, today. <laughs> that's right. Uh, so uh, that that's that's a real situation for me, by the way. So I appreciate the advice. Um, mm-hmm. And Jose Quintana not going to go into the rotation. He is also expected to be uh, reinstated off the IL on Tuesday, but he's going to go pitch in relief coming off of his thumb surgery. So mm-hmm. uh, at least for the time being, no worries for Tyler Chatwood, no worries for Alec yep. Mills, who we'll talk about shortly. Uh, but before we do, uh, just a note here, uh, there are some reports that the Angels are getting called on Dylan Bundy and I think it just provides us an opportunity to look at what Bundy's done so far because he's been one of the best pitchers in the major leagues with a 258 ERA a .89 whip 44 strikeouts and only eight walks and 38 and a third innings and uh, not only getting the strikeouts and minimizing the walks, but uh, one of the best pitchers in terms of li- limiting hard contact, 25.8% hard hit rate, which ranks fifth among all the pitchers in the majors uh, that have allowed at least 50 batted balls. So anything here to be skeptical of, whether he's in Anaheim or, or elsewhere uh, over the you know, last month or so? I don't think so. I think we should believe what we've seen, maybe not believe it 100%, but I think that 90% of this, the rest of the way, is totally believable. For Dylan Bundy, this is something that we always thought he had, and we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for it, and sometimes it takes this long. It doesn't. It's not often that it takes this long and the guy breaks through. Usually, if it's taken this long, it's just never going to happen, but... There are exceptions to every rule, and I think we're finally seeing it from Dylan Bundy. And I would just say that I would be very skeptical of a trade happening. You know, the Angels are already falling out of it this year, but Bundy's under team control through 2021. I think a team's going to have to knock their socks off if they're going to get Bundy away from them this year. Yeah, they should definitely uh, be wowed uh, to give him up. Uh, well, we've got some pitching performances from the Monday slate to talk about, For but first we got this message. All right, Michael. Well, let's uh, take a look at a few pitchers that uh, I know I was eagerly awaiting their next start and um, really some mixed results here. Well, let's start with Casey Mize, who faced the Cubs. Definitely uh, not the easiest assignment. He did get nine whiffs on his 76, pit- 76 pitches, but those 76 pitches only took him a little over th- three innings into the game. Three and a third, gave up four runs. One was unearned. So a bit of a mixed bag for Mize, but on the whole, certainly not, not as good as his debut. Not as good as his debut, but this is a uniquely tough matchup for a rookie pitcher. I think there are certainly better offenses in the league than the Cubs, but they are one of the most patient, one of the most plate-disciplined teams in the league. They swing and miss a bit when they do swing, but they're going to make every single pitcher work, whether you're Casey Mize or Max Scherzer, and have that level of uh, experience. They are going to make you work, and that is really a tough assignment for any rookie pitcher. So I still think that this is someone who is an all-systems-go sort of guy the rest of the way. All right, and then pitching against him, Alec Mills, and uh, he did not have a good start the last time out. I uh, believe that you and I discussed that. 
and uh, you know expected better things. And he certainly did have better things against the Tigers. And we did note earlier, it's one of the most favorable matchups in the majors, but he certainly made the most of it. Seven strikeouts in seven innings, giving up just three runs, a couple of those late. So he was pretty dominant throughout. Um, any concerns here? Uh, or are you waiting to see if you know Mills fares this well against some tougher competition? Yeah, I think we can expect him to do this well against competition like this. The one red flag I would throw up is now we've seen a couple of outings where he's gone really good through the order the first two times, and then that third time uh, teams start to get to him. David Ross has been willing to let his starters go deep into games, especially when they're going well those first two times through. But Alec Mills, I could see that volume coming down for him a bit now that we've seen this happen and now that we saw it happen against an offense that we would frankly categorize as pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and other pitcher that's worth checking in on, Brad Keller. Well, he finally gave up some runs. Uh, and a bunch Had of to them. happen. Had to happen. <laughs> that shoe was going to drop. He uh, he started off really well in this outing, too, against the Cardinals. Uh, but fell apart really quickly for him. Uh, only lasted four innings, five runs on six hits and three walks. So just not a good overall outing for Keller. Uh, now his ERA ballooning up to 2.08. Uh, but um, the, how much of a game changer is this or an opinion changer is this uh, for you with him finally faltering in the start? It, it's really not at all. I mean, you know, we, we talked about Brad Keller that not only was the shoe going to drop and we joke around and we have fun, but that he was clearly pitching over his head and that something like this was going to come and that he was going to be um, a guy who was just going to be um, you know, maybe a mid-pack guy at best the rest of the season. That's still where I feel about him. Any pitcher is liable to string together a couple of strong outings in a row. He happened to do it at the start of this season. That's really all this was. I feel the same way I do about him that I felt about him coming into the year, that I felt about him before this start against the Cardinals. He's fine, but he's not someone who you're going to pin your championship hopes on. Yeah, I think that's uh, you know the sweet spot in terms of how to how to evaluate him. And, uh, you know, I would be remiss to not note that we're at the halfway mark or at least approximately there. Mm -hmm. um, sort of hard to know exactly where there it is with, with teams having played vastly uh, different numbers of games. But, you know, that's pretty much where we are is halfway through the season, which is just another way of saying that, you know, we're about a month in with a month to go. So obviously a different uh, different calculus here when you're looking at players who have gotten off to really good or really bad starts. But three players in particular have really surprised me with exactly how good and how valuable they've been in fantasy so far. One is Jose Abreu, who we don't really talk about on this show because he's just been so consistent and so good. And it's not like he can just run out and pick him up. So he hasn't really made the cut, but it's worth noting. I mean, he is just miles ahead of every other first baseman in terms of fantasy value so far. Uh, Dansby Swanson would be the second player who's really surprised me. Uh, he is fourth in roto value among shortstops right behind uh, Fernando Tatis Jr., Trevor Story, and Manny Machado. Uh, Tatis and Story in particular have really gotten a lot of headlines, and rightfully so. But Swanson's been, you know, not that much less valuable than them with much less uh, fanfare. And Kyle Lewis somehow being even better and more valuable than he was the last month of 2019. Um, lots of power still, lots of uh, hits on balls in play. So Abreu, Swanson, Lewis, uh, who do you think is sustainable out of this group in terms of what they have done in the first month? In terms of what they've 
done in the first month. I mean, it's almost impossible to say Jose Abreu is. I mean, the dude is just a house of fire right now. Six homers in that three-game series over the weekend against the Cubs. He is awesome, and he always deserves this level of respect. But he's not going to stay at that elite level. No one could. Maybe we could bring Barry Bonds back, and he could still do it. But that's about it. Maybe Mike Trout, right? But that's pretty much it. I want to rewind the tape a couple of months ago because I know, Al, I know for a fact I was beating that Dansby Swanson drum. And I was saying, (laughs) this is a guy who's a first overall pick, and he he took a little bit of time to get going, and God forbid a guy doesn't come up and be Juan Soto right away, right? We write him off right away. That's it. What what can this guy do for me? It just took Dansby Swanson some time. He started showing the signs of it last year. Then he had the foot injury, and that totally crushed his offensive value. Still played a great defensive shortstop, mind you, but it crushed his offensive value. Now he comes back, he's healthy, and he's doing what he's doing. I think Dansby Swanson carries this on the rest of this season. I think we're regularly talking about him as one of the 10 best shortstops in the league for at least the next couple of years, and shortstop is as deep as it has ever been in Major League history, but Dansby Swanson deserves to be mentioned among that company. And how about Kyle Lewis? You think you can keep it going for another month? Yeah, I mean, I like Kyle Lewis. I like the hitter. You told me to pick one. I just sort of had to. I sort of had to focus on one. We're also running out of time here, so I had to. I had to pick one. And how am I not going <laughs> to take enough. my? Vic, how am I not going to take my Dansby Swanson victory lap? Come on. All right, all right. Won't won't deny you that. <laughs> and uh, so on that note, we're going to circle back here to Sean Murphy. I mentioned uh, he's uh, getting a lot of hard hit balls in play, and uh, Gene McCaffrey has noticed uh, among uh, you know some of us here. And uh, so Gene's written a little something about Sean Murphy and about Abraham Toro and um, even about Nolan Arenado. Really interesting take on Nolan Arenado. So uh, check out Gene's latest Stockwatch column, uh, Stockwatch, the hard-hitting Sean Murphy, Abraham Toro, swinging strike upside, and more from Gene McCaffrey in The Athletic. Check it out. That's going to be all for this episode of Fantasy Baseball in 15. If you're enjoying this podcast on a platform that lets you leave a rating and a review, we always do appreciate it when you do take the time to do that. So for Michael Beller, I'm Al Melkier. We will be right back here on Wednesday.